You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Wow, how wonderful it is to be here with you, to look at your faces, to see your voices, to know the joy we share together. And I am so grateful to John Daniel for inviting me to preach on this very important day as he is installed as our new associate pastor for youth and campus ministries. But I treasure our friendship and our time together. Listen now to God's word as it comes to us from the first Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Though I speak in human and angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast of my giving, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or arrogant or boastful or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part and we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became an adult, I put up my childish ways. For now we see only reflection in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully, even as I have already been fully known. And now faith, hope, love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. Make love your aim. Let us pray. Holy God, pour out your spirit upon us that the thoughts we share, the words we speak, the hands we use would all be filled with your love and your spirit. Transform us into the image of Christ that we may be your faithful servants in the world. In your holy name we pray, amen. Why are some of the simplest truths the hardest things to practice? We all know that if we don't take care of our bodies, our health will suffer, and yet we find it very difficult to, to eat right and to find time to exercise. We kind of can take care of everything else first. We know that hatred inflames the heart and practicing forgiveness enlivens the soul. And yet we find ourselves caught up at times bearing grudges, exacting revenge, watching our opponents fall. What about love? 
Well, Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor. In the Gospel of John, we heard him say it this way. This is my commandment, that you love one another even as I have loved you. It doesn't get any simpler than that. And no matter how much we busy ourselves with other concerns in the church, no matter how much energy we expend on other activities in life, no matter how far we may wander from these words of Jesus and the simple truth, sooner or later we're going to come face to face with these words of Christ. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Some of you may remember Dr. Albert Curry Wynn, the moderator of the General Assembly years ago and the former president of Louisville Seminary. He put it this way. He says, the church can exist without a building, without a budget, without a minister. But a church cannot survive without love. The church can even thrive in a hostile culture, but it cannot survive without love. The quality of the love we share together in the church is the greatest witness we will ever make to our faith, to those outside the church. For our love for one another is more important than our getting our own way on a particular issue. Love for one another is more important than the color of the carpet. Hmm, I don't know. (laughs) That's pretty important. Fights over which group gets to use which part of the building on what day. Oof, I want my way. Or the kind of music we sing. I don't know, I don't like, oh, well, whatever. You know what drew the Greco-Roman world to the church in those first centuries? Was the concrete love they manifested one for another. The early church father, Tertullian, put it this way. He said, look, the pagans say, Look how they love one another. They're willing to give their lives for each other. So I ask you, why is it so hard to practice this simple truth? Well, we've got some pretty strange notions about love, don't we? My favorite way to spell it is a four-letter word, L-U-V, love. That's one of the problems. Even in the church, we're tempted to love only those who, who, who are easy to love. You know, we want to limit our love to folks like us, friends and family, the narrow circle. But remember the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount? I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. God loves all people. As horrible as that sounds. God loves all people. Not just the ones we think deserve loving. And then we distort love, don't we? We sometimes think of love as that desire to possess the object of our affection in order to get something we want in return. We can use love as a tool to manipulate something or somebody. Christian love, however, seeks the good of the other, the one who is loved. Do you remember that famous book, The Road Less Traveled, by Scott Peck of many years ago? I love how he defined it, love. He said, love is the will to extend yourself, to nurture your own or someone else's spiritual growth. It's as simple as that. Well, 
We tend to put other things above the command to love. Some time ago, I had the privilege of visiting the Civil Rights Museum in Atlanta. If you have not been, go. It was a painful and a hopeful experience. It brought to mind how some churches put other things, put the issue of racial segregation above the command to love egregious sin. But it also bore witness to the truth that many people sacrificed the best that they had in order to practice costly love for the sake of the oppressed neighbor. Today, we may let a particular political viewpoint, a deeply held conviction, a personal agenda, a social concern above this simple command of Jesus and thereby keep us from loving. But the gospel story the gospel story is simply this. It's about God's invasion of the sinful world with the power of love, all for the sake of love. And our love is to reflect, to mirror, to embody the love of Jesus for us. Not just any love. Not the sentimental love of a Hallmark card or a rom-con movie. But the self-giving, powerful love of God. It is, as Paul says, a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The love that lasts forever. I like to think of Christian love is as gentle as a kiss and as tough as nails. You know, I used to think those beautiful words we heard read from 1 Corinthians were, were just the best words to read at a wedding. You know, everybody's all pumped up and ready for love. L-U-V. <laughs> and that's a good place to read those words. And then over the years in my ministry, I began to realize, you know, those words from 1 Corinthians are pretty good words to read, not just at a wedding, but at a funeral. When you look back over the course of someone's life and think, how in their lives did they manifest the love of God? And the words are good for that too. But I tell you today, why not hear those words at an installation when a new pastor is beginning his or her service of ministry? Words not just for the pastor, oh no, but words for the pastor and the congregation as you covenant together to focus on the most important thing, to love one another as God loves you. In calling John Daniel to be your associate pastor, you're calling someone who embodies the grace and the courage to practice this profound love of God. So why is it so hard to practice this simple truth it's not only hard because we misunderstand the nature of love, it's hard because we do it trying to rely on our own strength. I try, I fail, I want to love those in need, but I feel overwhelmed and so I fall into apathy. I even want to love those who hurt me, but ooh, it's hard to get over the bitterness in my soul. It is only in Jesus that we find the strength to love. Early in those words in John's gospel, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I abide in them will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. True words. How do we do it? 
because we are rooted and grounded in him. And it's his life that runs through our veins. It's his love that fills our hearts. It's his mind that transforms our minds. It's his courage that strengthens our feeble will and lifts up our feeble knees. It is his love that ignites our love so that we might love one another as he loves us. The point is this, we cannot love by trying harder. We can only grow in our love by trusting more. For he can do in us what we cannot do in ourselves. Over the past few years, since we've been living in Black Mountain, we've become friends with a couple who are deeply engaged in a prison ministry called Bridges to Life. Some of you may know it. The program reaches out to prisoners who are serving long sentences for for dealing drugs, for violent crimes, and even for murder. About 20 years ago, this wonderful couple's young adult daughter was murdered by her boyfriend. The day of the funeral, in the midst of their anguish, the mother said, we cannot let this tragedy define or destroy our lives. About two years after the death of their beloved daughter, a teacher, a friend invited them to participate in a prison ministry that helps prisoners reflect on their lives, think about the choices they made that led them into the situations they find themselves, to seek reconciliation, to seek forgiveness, and to forgive themselves. These friends took their daughter's tragic death and transformed it into a source of life and hope for these women and men incarcerated, many for life. How could they do it? How could they do it? They couldn't do it in their own strength. They couldn't do it by trying harder. They could only do it by trusting more. This Jesus who lives in us, who teaches us, who empowers us to love. And so the challenge for all of us today is how to live in the power of that simple truth, love one another as I have loved you. The real danger of the church is that we're going to stop loving each other because we don't agree with each other. You know, there are traditionalists who don't want to change anything and there are nonconformists who want to change everything. They're members whose primary concern is the upkeep of this beautiful facility. And they're members whose passions lie in mission and ministry and outreach. They're those who say everything they think. I think I'm one of those. And others who keep their mouths shut and keep their opinions to themselves. They're those who thrive and get energy and controversy. And they're those who just fade away the minute the controversy begins. Well, I tell you this, we need them all. And the day we cease to give time, attention, and care to those who are different from us is the day we stop growing in the love of Jesus. John Daniel, there are youth in this congregation and community who need to experience more than anything else the unconditional love of Jesus. Love them. There are children in this church and youth in this church whose families are struggling with overwhelming challenges and trials and obstacles. I charge you to love them. 
They're college students in this community who need to know that somebody on those lonely nights in their dorms, somebody loves them. Love them. And John Daniel, I say this to you. No, I don't. I say this to every one of us here. Together, practice the simplest thing of all. Love. Retired pastor in the congregation I served in Indianapolis on his 90th birthday wrote his family and friends in the congregation these words about his ministry. He said, when I committed my life to be a minister, I set three goals for myself. On my 90th birthday, I want to share them with you. Number one, make love your aim. God is a God of divine love, a love that we cannot fully grasp. And it is said that the universe is built on the shoulders of love. And God gives us a glimpse of that love in Christ. Love conquers all. Number two, make service to others a priority. For in service to others, we receive our greatest joy and sense of fulfillment. And number three, prepare myself for eternal life in God's kingdom. For God sent Christ into the world to show us that death is not the end, but the new beginning. And Christ showed us what we must do in order to prepare for that wonderful promise. What is it? Love one another. Or as Paul says, so faith, hope, love abide. The greatest of these is love. It is the simplest thing of all. And by the grace of God, our highest calling. Today, as you covenant together as pastor and congregation, I charge you all, make love your aim. Amen.